One of the things as I was preparing for this talk, for t- actually, you probably think that you're going to see Leslie Hollowell. I'm not Leslie Hollowell. I'm Shelly Spence. <laughs> Leslie was signed up to do this and then had to leave town when we rescheduled for this weekend. So you get me instead. Um, but one of the things as I've been planning for this over the last week as I've been thinking is just thinking about how hard life is right now. And just thinking about, like, we're coming up on one year of, like, the pandemic starting here in the U.S. and, like, quarantine and all the different things that have happened in our country this year. Um, And just really thinking about life is just hard for so many people in so many different ways, for so many different reasons. And so I want to acknowledge that. And so if you are here and you're struggling, you're welcome here. And if you're hurting, you are welcome here. If you're sad or you're overwhelmed or maybe just tired, you're welcome here. I want you to know that I want this to be a safe place for us for the next almost hour. Um, And in order to make it a safe place, I thought I would go first and be vulnerable. So one of the things that I want you to know, um, whatever you're struggling with, you are not alone. The Lord is with you, but also so many of us in this room struggle with the same thing, right? Whether it's anxiety or fear or worry, maybe it's depression, maybe it's just we're easily stressed or overwhelmed. Maybe there's other life controlling issues going on, but you are not alone. And so to demonstrate that, I thought I would just read you some things that came from my journal this week, okay? So as I am preparing to speak to you, here's some of the voices that I heard in my head that I wrote down. One of them is, um, someone else could do this session a lot better. Someone else could teach this better. I am not enough. I might say something wrong. It won't be perfect. It's too much. It's too hard. And who do I think I am to teach people about being okay? So those are some of the lies that I've had in my head this week that I have had to fight and battle. And I want to maybe start with talking about lies. That has so much to do with how we feel and what we believe about ourselves. Um, One of the things about anxiety, worry, shame, and other lies that we believe is that they make us feel that we are the only ones who have ever felt this way, and so they keep us quiet. Because we don't want to share that with anybody else, because what if they think we're weird or crazy or worse, right? So we keep it quiet. And we hear lies pretty much like the ones that I heard in my head, maybe even some that say, something's wrong with you. You're defective. You're weird. You're awkward. Um, If they only knew the real you, would they really want to be your friend? And how could God love someone like you, right? Those are all lies. And so I think it's important for us to know right here at the beginning that the lies we believe are from Satan. In fact, in John 8, 44, it says that Satan is the father of lies. When he speaks lies, he's speaking his native language because that's who he is. He is the father of lies. So when we hear those in our head, we need to recognize that those are lies from Satan. They're hard to recognize as lies from Satan because they sound like our own voice. It would be easy for me to recognize that Satan is whispering lies in my ear if it sounded like a weird, creepy, devilish voice, right? Like, I would know that is not true. That is not from God. But when it sounds like my own voice, it's really hard for me to discern whether this is a lie or this is the truth. And when it keeps coming over and over, then I really do start to believe this must be true. I keep hearing it. It must be the truth, right? But it's important to know that Satan is the father of lies. And also, I think it's also important to remember that in John 10.10, it talks about Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy. He's coming to steal our joy. If you've lost your joy, it's because Satan has come to steal it. 
If you, um, he's come to kill our dreams. He's come to take our eyes off of Jesus. So that's pretty much um, a foundation I think we need to know. The lies that we believe, a lot of the things that we believe in our head, they are from, they are not of the Lord. That is not the Lord's will for us. So let's talk about emotions. On your handout, I have a few things there um, about emotion, just the important things. I'm going to tell you some more things about emotions. Emotions, I think it's important to know that emotions are God-given gauges that he has given to us. So it's kind of like a thermometer, right? We use it, th- and we've used those a lot this year, <laughs> but we use a thermometer kind of to check, to check in to see if we're healthy or not. The thermometer helps us to know if there's a problem or not, right? Our emotions help us to know if there's a problem or not. They're God-given. It's a cue. The problem comes when we start to obey or follow our emotions. The phrase that Disney uses, follow your heart, that's how we get into trouble is when we start following those emotions. I love what Daniel said today when he was talking about emotions this morning. He said, if our emotions, I have it over here. If our emotions don't bow to worship to God, we'll bow in worship to our emotions. And I wanted to kind of unpack that a little bit. Basically, our emotions are cues to point to the thoughts that we're thinking, okay? So if we are thinking about something, if we are focused on something, then pretty much that's the object of our worship. If that's what our focus is, that's the object of our worship. So if you think of it in light of that, our emotions show us what we're thinking, which shows us the object of our worship. If you think of it in in that light, then if our emotions don't bow in worship to God, We'll bow in worship to our emotions. We don't want our emotions to drive the train. We want, it to be, we want to be in control of that. And the way we do that is by being in control of our thoughts. We have the power to choose what we think. And it's very important that we realize that power that we have to choose what we think. Because our thoughts are so important. One of the things that makes thoughts so important is that everything starts with a thought. So there's a thought that happens, a thought influences how we feel, so that influences our emotion, right? And then how we feel influences how we behave, how we act, what our behaviors are, our attitude, okay? All of that starts with a thought. So if we can start with the thought and capture the thought, then we can change the way we feel and change our attitude, our behavior, and our actions. Does that make sense? I think that's why God talks so much in the Bible about our heart, about our, our mind, right? Because thoughts, what we think about, what we dwell on is so very powerful in our life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks, so is he. So basically, if we think something enough, we could become that. I want to make sure that what I'm thinking about is focused on the Lord, or at least is honoring to the Lord so that I can become honoring to the Lord, right? I want to be able to take control of those wild thoughts, those anxious thoughts, those fearful thoughts, those depressive thoughts, and be able to turn them so that they can be more honoring to the Lord. They can be more true. So let me show you how to do that. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, this has become a verse that I use almost daily to filter thoughts in my head, okay? So let's say I'm walking along and I have this emotion. Maybe it's an uncomfortable emotion. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. So I have an emotion. That's my cue. Something's off. My, the focus of my worship is off. 
Maybe I've taken God off the throne and put myself there. Maybe I've taken God off the throne and I've put this thing that I fear there and made it bigger than God. So I'm walking along. I have this emotion. That's my cue. I need to pay attention. What are my thoughts behind this emotion? What has triggered this emotion, right? And then once I identify that thought, then I run it through the filter of Philippians 4.8. And Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever is true, I can stop right there. Is this thought true? This thought that triggered this uncomfortable emotion, is it true? Is it even true? Most of the time I can stop right there because that thought wasn't true. Maybe I um, was reading somebody's mind. You know, I thought, oh, she looked at me. She hates my hair, right? Well, is that even true? I can't prove that. Maybe she's having a bad day. Maybe she's, who knows? It's not even about me, right? So is it true? If that thought is true... Then let's move on to the next one. Is it true? Is it lovely? Is it noble? Is it pure? Is it worthy of praise, right? All of those things that are in this verse. We can filter our thoughts through Philippians 4.8. When we do that, when we change that thought to make it more true, it changes how we feel, which changes how we act and how we behave. So some questions to ask as you think about thoughts, as you capture thoughts, as you stop those thoughts. And you have the power to do this. This is hard. We have lots of thoughts in any given moment, right? But when you have one of those emotions that you just think, ah, this is feeling uncomfortable, trace it back to the thought. Stop and catch, catch that thought. When you catch that thought, maybe run it through these three questions. Does this thought come from God? That kind of lines up with Philippians 4, 8, right? Does this thought even come from God? Or is this from the enemy? Is it honoring him? Is what I'm thinking about honoring him? If I'm thinking depressive thoughts, if I'm thinking self-harm thoughts, is that honoring to the Lord? Probably not. I need to stop that thought. I need to replace that thought with truth. Is it worthy of praise before him? Could I praise him with this thought? If I kept thinking this thought, would it turn into praise for him? If not, it's probably a lie, and I need to replace it with truth from the word. Okay, so here's how this works. Here's how emotions trip us up, okay, and how our thoughts trip us up. So anxiety, panic attacks, worry, depression, stress, overwhelm, all of those things, they happen when we forget that God is on the throne and in control of our lives and the world around us. And when we place something else or even ourselves on the throne of our lives as the object of our worship, then we begin to think thoughts that are not true, lovely, right, and pure, which leads us to uncomfortable emotions like distress or discouragement or hopelessness um, or panic or rage, which leads us to unhelpful actions like being grouchy towards others or maybe being silent, giving them the silent treatment, maybe just being downright mean, maybe just being short with people, just got an attitude. When we are living like this, we are living in bondage to sin. It doesn't feel free, does it? When I'm living like that, it doesn't feel free. I'm missing out on the abundant life. So I want to show you guys another, um, another way that you can work with those thoughts, okay? Because it's so important. So remember Philippians 4.8. I put it in a box on your handout so you would not forget it. It's so important. It's so very helpful. Okay. Also remember that transformed thoughts lead to a transformed life. If we can transform our thoughts, we can transform our life. It has to start with the thoughts. Okay, so emotions are a gauge. They're a signal. They cue us in to the thoughts that are behind it. They cue us in to really where is the focus of our worship. 
We want to acknowledge emotions, but then we want to dig deeper to find the thought. So another way to help with that is this picture of the tree. So I want you to picture your life as a tree, okay? So picture your life as a tree with a very thick trunk and deep roots. Okay, the branches of your tree represent your behaviors. Behaviors are what are seen and visible to other people, right? That's what they can see on the outside. Our behaviors, our attitude, our tone. The trunk is your belief system. It's what you've developed over the course of your life. And it's what we believe about God, about ourselves, about others. That's what the trunk represents. And then the roots feed the trunk and the branches. And the roots draw their power from circumstances that affect us um, from childhood. So that could be maybe things like um, we were bullied. Maybe it could be things like divorce or loss. Maybe it could be that our parents were separated. Maybe there's abuse. Roots, those are the kind of the roots. Those are some of the root things. The way this all works out is the roots grow into the trunk. When something happens in our life that's big and scary, even when something good happens that's really great and amazing and we want to celebrate, that affects the way that we think about God, ourselves, and the world around us. That is the root. That affects our belief system, which is our trunk. It grows into our trunk and supports our, our roots support our trunk. And then our trunk is the belief system that sustains and upholds the branches and the behaviors. So how we think and what we believe, so there's those thoughts again, right? How we think and what we believe influence our behaviors in our branches. Our branches can be healthy or unhealthy depending on the root system. We can have good and bad, branches really just represent good and bad solutions to deeper issues. So whatever it was that happened in the roots, our branches are just us trying to find a solution for that, right? They could be good or they could be healthy. They could be unhealthy. Some common branches that many people have would be things like people-pleasing or comparison. Daniel has talked on that. Maybe anger, um, perfection, arrogance, promiscuity. Those are some common branches. Then there's some life-controlling branches that are a little more serious, like disordered eating or self-harm or depression or anxiety or addiction. Pornography falls into that. Those are some of the more unhealthy branches. The true cause, those are really just kind of the, what is seen. The true cause is what is unseen. The true cause is the root. We have to go back to the roots to figure out why the branches are the way they are, right? Why our branches are the way they are. So the true cause is the issue of the issues in our lives. That's what the roots represent. Sometimes the roots are a result of our own choices. We can make choices that affect our lives in big ways, right? That could be a root. Sometimes the roots are a result of choices of others in our life, right? Divorce is not our choice. Our parents chose that. Um, abuse, not our choice. Somebody else chose that against us. Sometimes it's somebody else's choice that affects us that creates that root. Some common roots would be abandonment, rejection, abuse, unworthiness, shame, fear, guilt, insecurity, pride, and bitterness. Okay, so I thought it might be helpful. Once again, here we go. I get to go and be the example. I thought it would be helpful to walk you through an example of my own life so you can kind of see how this tree, the branches, the trunk, and the roots all work together, okay? So for me, 
one of the things that I have struggled with is comparison, the sin of comparison, right? And Daniel has really talked about that last night, even touched on it again this morning, comparison. So that would be one of my branches. It kind of runs into perfectionism too sometimes. That's one of the things that I struggle with. It comes from a belief, so here's my trunk, it comes from a belief that I am not enough or I don't measure up compared to other people, right? And the root of that, when I ask the Lord to show me, where is this even coming from? How did this become an option for me to have to worry about comparison? He showed me that, and it was all the way back in middle school, he showed me in sixth grade, you had a group of friends of three girls who constantly were, they prided themselves in leaving you out. And there was this one Christmas party where we all came together. We had planned the party together. We had all brought food together. I was a part of that planning. And all of, it was so fun until the very end of this party, everybody whips out all these presents. And apparently, there was a message I did not get. Intentionally, I was left out of the gift exchange. And they all brought gifts to exchange. And I sat there fighting tears because I thought, here, they've done it again. They have left me out intentionally again. I didn't get to participate in the gift exchange. That was the root that led to my starting to believe I'm not enough, right? Or, um, yeah, I'm not enough. I'm inferior. I don't compare, which led to a behavior, a branch that is working to com always comparing, always comparing, always trying to be perfect because I want to be accepted, right? So the Lord has worked with me in my life. I have worked with him to be able to get rid of that branch. But I couldn't cut off that branch on my own. I had to go back to the root. And the way to do that, I had to pray and say, Lord, this you're right. This is the root of that. This is where that came in. Would you heal me? And then having to forgive, it leads to forgiveness of that person, of those girls, those girls in sixth grade who were so mean. And having in my heart to have to forgive them. That leads to healing. So that that comparison and that feeling that I am inferior, I am inadequate, is not as strong, right? That root has been pulled out. The only one who can pull out your roots, who, the only one who can heal us at the root level is Jesus. He is the only one that has the power to do that. Okay, so I want you to look at your paper, and I want you to think about what is a behavior in your life? Um, what is something maybe that you struggle with? And it doesn't have to be anything that's already written in those branches. Those are just examples to kind of get you started. But think about what is there a behavior that is constantly bothering you or you're struggling with or maybe other people have pointed it out to you. Think of that. Now I want you to think through what do you believe? What is the belief about yourself that is behind that behavior? What is an I am statement that you're believing that leads to that behavior. Maybe it's, I am not enough. Maybe it's, I am too much. Maybe it's, um, I am unworthy. Maybe it's, I'm unlovable. Maybe it's, I'm unwanted. Maybe it's something else. And then I want you to look through the root. And that may not happen today, but maybe later this evening, as you're getting ready for bed, or as you find a quiet time after all of this catalyst is over, pray and ask the Lord to show you what is the root of that. Where did those, where did those thoughts even become an option for you? Where did that enter into your life? And then ask him to heal you of that root. He's faithful and he'll do it. The first time I heard that, and somebody telling me, ask the Lord to heal this root, right? I thought, well, I wish it was that easy, right? What I have found is that he's faithful to do that. 
He will show you what the root is, and he will show you what the steps are for healing. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes I have to forgive. Forgiveness is hard. Okay, let me, let me walk you through some Bible verses that kind of support this, okay? So people tend to focus on the branches, the behaviors, what is seen, but the challenge is to remove the root issue because destructive roots are the core of destructive behavior. If we don't deal with the roots, our behavior can never truly be healed. So we need God to reveal and heal the root issues and transform our belief system. Then healthy branches fall off. So Matthew 23, 26. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's talking about how they are all about cleaning up the outside of the cup. They want to look good on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of all kinds of sin. And he said, that will not do. You need to clean the inside of the cup, so we need to clean what's inside. That shows me that the Lord is very much, um, he very much values our heart. He values what's going on on the inside more than how we look. How we look may impress our friends. It may impress our life group leaders. It might even impress our parents. But the Lord is not concerned with what's on the outside. He's concerned with the heart. So we can break off those branches without going to the root issue, but that won't satisfy. That won't sustain. He's looking for the heart issue, and he wants to heal us. He wants to show us what that root is and help us dig that out. Okay, another verse would be 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord looks at the heart. This is talking about how the Lord does not look at outward appearance. He looks at the heart. He's, he is wanting to change us at the heart level. And then if we look at Romans 12, 2, it says, Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can't control hurtful things that happen to us, but we can control how we respond. We can control the lies that we believe as a result of those hurts. We can interrupt those lies, and we can replace them with truth of Scripture. And I would encourage you to let God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. One of the other things that helps, um, that helps with all of this is a relationship with Christ. If you have never committed your life to Christ, if you don't have the gift of salvation through a loving relationship, surrendering to Jesus Christ, then you don't have access to the Holy Spirit to show you the root, to dig up the root. You don't have his power to help you there. And so I would encourage you, if that's your first step, if that's where you need to start, then I would encourage you to talk to me or talk to one of your life group leaders or talk to a friend about starting that relationship with Christ so you can tap into the power to find freedom and to find healing. I also know that when we talk about emotions, we talk about roots and all of those things, sometimes we can feel like we're not as good of a Christian, right? If I'm struggling with depression, I must not be as strong a Christian. That's a lie. That's not true. And you're not alone in feeling that way. Don't listen to the enemy in that. Recognize that as a lie and replace that. Get into your Bible and find truth that counteracts that lie. Nowhere did, God, did Jesus shame people because they were hurting. Nowhere did he shame them for that. He healed him. He wants to heal. He wants you to live the abundant life. And if you're not, he, he's right there with you, waiting for you to turn to him so he can help you with that. We were never meant to handle struggle alone, and that's why Satan desires to isolate us. He knows it derails us, and he knows that we need each other. So I want to encourage you to ask for help. If you need help to address the root of your issues, 
especially if you're struggling with life controlling branches like addiction or disordered eating or self-harm, I would encourage you to get help. I would encourage you to talk to an adult that you, um, that you trust. And I also want you to know that there's no shame in that. It actually takes a lot of courage to ask for help. Honestly, it takes a lot of courage to walk into this session that's titled, It's Okay to Not Be Okay, right? There's a lot of other students that wanted to be in here, but they were too embarrassed or too scared to come to admit that maybe things aren't perfect. So you've already taken a very big step of courage. I would also encourage you that if you feel like counseling or medication might be helpful, there's no shame in that either. The Lord can heal through all kinds of different ways and all kinds of different people. And so if you're on medication or in counseling or if you feel like you need those, there's no shame there. In fact, that takes a lot of courage to admit that and to get help in that way. The way I see Christian counseling is mostly discipleship. I happen to be a Christian counselor, and I love my job because I get to disciple people. I really get to show you what powers, what tools you have, spiritual tools that you don't even know you have access to. I get to show you what those are and empower you to use those so that you can walk in victory and walk in freedom and not have to be bogged down by the lies that Satan wants to trap you with. So Christian counseling can be really fun, and they have an awesome Christian counseling center here at Bellevue, and it's free. So there's no reason not to get help. So I would encourage you to talk to an adult that you trust. Um, the other thing I put on here was a list of questions to think about. So maybe later today when you have some time on your own, or maybe tomorrow, um, tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, I want you to look through these questions as you're looking at your tree, your roots, your branches, and think through what might be at the root of this behavior? What might be at the root of my worry, my fearfulness? What might be at the root of my, um, my not liking myself? What might be at the root of that? And who can I talk to that can point me back to truth? Who do I know that can show me the truth about this? And is my perception of things based on the reality of what is true, right, pure, everything from Philippians 4.8? And if my perception is off, if it's not based on the reality of Philippians 4.8, then I'm going to ask Jesus to show me the truth, right? And he'll bring scripture to mind, or he'll bring somebody who has scripture that can tell me that, right? Okay, tell me if you guys, tell me what questions you might have about any of this. Or tell me what thoughts come to mind as you see all of this. Does it seem overwhelming? Does it seem helpful? Does it seem like it makes sense? Did this just confuse you even more? Does it feel like it might be a helpful tool, the tree? Maybe some people shaking their head. Does it clarify some things maybe? One other thing I thought might be helpful was to walk you through how I deal specifically with anxious thoughts. So I'll tell you this morning as I was preparing for this talk, I felt very anxious um, because of all those lies that kept coming back in my head, right? And I know a lot of times we talk about surrendering thoughts, capturing thoughts, and we don't even, we don't walk through and teach you how to do that. Like, how do we live that out? What does that look like? So I turned in my Bible to Philippians 4, and I looked at verse 6 and 7 and 8. Okay, so verse 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And so I just stopped right there, and I said, Okay, Lord, this is what you've told me. Be anxious for nothing. I'm anxious for this. So right here I'm going to confess. I'm anxious about giving this talk. I'm anxious about leading a group. 
I'm anxious about, right? And I just laid it right there. And then it says, be anxious for nothing, but with everything in prayer and petition. That's what I did. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is hard, especially when I'm anxious or depressed, right? But with Thanksgiving, so I turned it into Thanksgiving. Okay, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to get to share about hard feelings with a group of students. Thank you that I get to share from your word how we can find healing from struggles, from hard feelings. Thank you um, for just for the, for, the, for the humbling opportunity that this is. Thank you for each person that will sit here. Thank you that they will hear verses that hopefully will encourage them. That's how I turned it into Thanksgiving. When I was done going through my little list of thank yous, my heart was at peace. The end of that verse says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. Actually, I think that's a different verse. The end of that verse says, um, oh, that is the one. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then I went through Philippians 4.8, which I've already talked about and told you guys about. And any other leftover thoughts that were lies that I was believing, I ran them through. Is this true? If it's not true, then God, I surrender it to you. It's not true, and I choose not to believe that thought. I choose to replace it with what is true, right? That's how you walk through, capturing a thought. That's how you walk through, being able to walk in peace and not being anxious all the time. Okay, so I want you to give me a thumbs up if this talk made anxiety or stress or worry worse. And give me a thumbs down if it went down, if your level went down at the end of this. So thumbs up if this talk just stressed me out, scared me more. I don't know what I'm going to do. Thumbs down if all that anxiety feels just maybe a little bit better. Okay, so I see a little bit of everything. And I see some people kind of in the middle. Awesome. I love that. If you want more information about any of this, I would encourage you to come talk to me afterwards. I would love to give you more information. Um, I think it would be fun to start a group, to start a Bible study group that focuses on how we can capture our thoughts, how we can walk in freedom, how we can tap into spiritual resources that the Lord has already given us so that we don't have to live with anxiety and fear and worry and depression and other life-controlling things. So if you're interested in that, let me know. If you, like I said... We are not meant to walk alone. So if you are struggling with something, I want to encourage you to talk to your life group leader, talk to me, talk to any of these women in the back um, that came here to support you, and let them know so that we can walk alongside you and get you help.